following program is pre-recorded. Live from the Hope Center in Plano, Texas, this is Hope in the Night. Late night talk radio offering biblical hope and practical help. And on the air now for over 25 years, I'm Jeff Oliver here with author and speaker June Hunt. June, I am looking forward to hearing the uh, information that you will share this coming week. This Sunday is Mm. uh, part of your um, How to Handle Your Emotions series at First Baptist Dallas. It's a discipleship Mm -hmm. university class, and it's going on this uh, Sunday night. And uh, people can join you live or by Zoom. Just go to hopefortheheart.org slash events. Find all the details there. But it is uh, the topic this week is one that I think as I... As I know people, as I talk to people, uh, even like in my own life, uh, it seems like there are so many uh, issues in someone's life that can come up that are that this is the root cause, and that mm. is self worth. Mm. It's huge. Well, it it is huge. Um, it's also unfortunate that. Um, there are many people who, who who genuinely believe they're taught that it's wrong to have an issue with self-worth. They think self-worth is prideful. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I, I do not agree. I've um, really, uh, not recently, but a long time ago, I remember uh, uh, speaking at some place, and and uh, there was a great division on the topic of of is is this right or wrong, and um, so I, I'll I'll along this week I'll, I will share some things that could be beneficial. You know, when we think of the the word worth, uh, it signifies value, merit. Or significance. It could be of a person or a thing. But if we're talking about individuals, it would be for self-worth, it's the belief that your life does have value and significance. Um, worth is actually, um, I mean, look at the scripture. I, I love the scripture. It's 1 John 3, 1. What great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Um, there, there are many passages that we could look up, look at, and uh, see how God values us. Even in the Old Testament, um, Isaiah forty-three, you know, you're precious and honored in my sight, and I love you. Those are passages from the, the Word of God, the Bible. And um, so, um, and, and we'll talk about that in a future time, but I thought this might be helpful. If we're talking about worth, in biblical times, gold and other precious metals were placed on a balancing scale. Um, if you had panned for gold, which Sometimes people think of that in California, um, the gold rush. Um, and they, they would be on one side weights of certain heaviness. Uh, on the other side would be what uh, would have been brought in by the person who has this unrefined gold. And they are weighing 
this. And this is where we can understand this, the expression. Do you, do you remember anybody saying, uh, using as an expression, oh, he's worth his weight in gold? Oh, sure, yeah. Okay. And I did not know until much, much later when I finally started reading the Bible, oh, that's, that's based on Scripture. That's Lamentations 4, verse 2. It's talking about they were worth their weight in gold. And uh, so just think how much worth that would literally be. For example, if gold were selling at $1,500 per ounce, one pound, which is 16 ounces uh, of, of gold, would be worth $24,000. $24,000. Now, it would depend on what that person actually weighs in pounds. Uh, for example, if a person weighed 150 pounds, that person would be worth catch this, $3,600,000. Uh, wow. Th this is more than $3.5 million. Now, in truth, the Bible presents that a person's worth is too great to be measured in mere monetary terms. Uh, the Apostle Peter says, your faith alone is, quote, of greater worth than gold. That's First Peter 1, 7. So are you beginning to see how much you, Jeff, mm -hmm. are valued? Combined with your faith, what are you worth in, in the eyes of God? And I won't ask you to tell mm. in pounds. Uh, what I'm saying <laughs> is you are indeed precious to God. And you have God-given worth. And that's the key. It's not it's not prideful. It's uh, it, it's stunning for us to realize we we have God-given worth. He has given us worth as His beloved children, and that's where First John three one says, "See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God." I love that phrase, children of God, and that is what we are. Again, that's First John three verse 1. I suggest you have it underlined or highlighted in your Bible. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me to proclaim good news to the poor and to proclaim freedom for prisoners. The Lord came to set captives free and he calls us to do the same. Hope for the Heart has an exciting opportunity to help bring the light of God's word into the lives of those in prison. Thanks to our generous supporters, we were recently able to send 6,000 of June Hunt's books and biblical resources to Rikers Island Prison in New York City. The prison chaplain told us the whole atmosphere changed with the inmates because light was finally coming into the darkness. The supply of resources was a direct answer to years of prayer, and many inmates have given their lives to the Lord. It's a truly remarkable story of hope, and it's all possible because of generous friends like you. If you would like to help send more biblical resources to prisons around the country, you can give online today at hopefortheheart.org forward slash give hope. That's hopefortheheart.org forward slash give hope. 
Would you like to talk to June Hunt about a situation in your life? Consider having that conversation on a future broadcast of Hope in the Night and let June help you discover practical help that's grounded in God's truth. Your story will be heard on all of our radio affiliates. And of course, we protect your privacy by providing you with a different name. And as it happens often in our program, when you share your story, you might help someone else find biblical hope and practical help for their life. It's ministry multiplied. For an opportunity to talk with June Hunt on Hope in the Night about an issue, a hurt, a relationship, or some other concern in your life, call 800-917. That's 800-644-4817. And remember, there are no hopeless situations, only people who have grown hopeless. There really are biblical solutions for all of life's struggles. Don't wait. Call tonight. 800-917. 800-644-4817. Welcome back to Hope in the Night with June Hunt. I'm Jeff Oliver. We want to help you, and we want to help you help others. Uh, If you have any questions about tonight's topic... Really, any number of topics. We'd like to help you with that. We have over 100 keys for living that will help you address whatever's going on in your life. Just call our customer support team. They're at 800-488-HOPE. They're available Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 Central Time. They'd uh, be happy to recommend some resources that will help you, something you're dealing with in your life, or maybe as you help someone else you care about, and you'd like to point them to to some resources. As June was talking about the the, uh, topic of self-worth, we have Keys for Living on that called Discover Your God-Given Value. And that and so many other uh, resources, titles are available by calling customer support at 800-488-HOPE. That's 800-488-4673. Spend some time at the website, too, at hopefortheheart.org slash store. You can find our updated keys for living there, which uh, more titles being added to that monthly, the being updated from our biblical counseling keys, and they're uh, now being revised and uh, new titles added to that monthly. Also, the Lifeline to Hope online training is there, and it's all at hopefortheheart.org slash store. Let's get to our caller for tonight. We welcome a listener in, in uh, KKLA land, uh, California. Tonight we uh, have Reagan. Well, hello, Reagan. Welcome to Hope. Hi, June. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. How can we help you? So I um, am trying to find some advice on, on how I can adequately handle a new situation that I learned about a, a good friend of mine who I deeply care about. Um, he's been a work friend for maybe about 14 years, and wow. I, and I, I, over the last year he fell ill and uh, had a had a stroke. Mm. Pretty young, but through his year of recovery, I stood by him, um, and I was there from the time he was discharged to the time that he went home about four months ago. And what I what I learned about him during those months of praying with him and, and reading scripture to him and, and, and worshiping with him. I, I got to be very, very close to a person who I saw really, really struggling and, and fighting for for his life, and, and indeed he recovered pretty well. But what I recently learned and, and what I'm struggling with is that he is a hoarder. Oh. And 
Yeah. Wow. And so, you know, <laughs> so during the months of the year, though, it was about eight months um, when he was you know, in the school nursing facility, in the subacute facility, I did not know that because obviously that was not um, an issue. And over the last four months, as I've, I've visited him and as I've tried to sort of help with um, just being that friend for him, helping him get back and, and accustomed to to his, his life after his recovery, um, it's really starting to affect my attitude towards him. Um, I find that I'm being critical, which I do not want to be. Um, I just don't know how to handle it. I don't know how to handle the behavior, the habit. Um, and I want to help him in a way that he can help identify with these patterns because he's going to, he's already starting to, to demonstrate these patterns in the home where he's living with a relative who's already starting to criticize that he doesn't do his laundry, he does not pick up after himself, he does not bathe, um, and he's expressing mm. that to me and he doesn't understand why other people are picking up on that. And when I asked him, if, you know, that was the situation, he, he readily admitted it, but um, really doesn't have any desire to change that. And I just, I, I want to be there for him. I've been there through a lot. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, without backing away, I don't know how to be a friend to him and really help him try to unpack what it is that's making him go back to those pretty stressful habits that may have put him in the hospital in the first place. So, Has any doctor used that phrase that that could have contributed to the stroke? Or is that no, just something no. you're thinking? I'm thinking because, which is a great point, when, when his family first called me and told me about um, what had happened, the, I, I, the situation that they had told me was they had cleaned out his apartment and it was messy and they were horrified. Um, but he's a grown man. He doesn't have that day-to-day contact with family, so they did not know the way that he lived. They did not know of any existing medical problems where he wasn't taking meds for his blood pressure, the stressors in his life, certainly being the way that they found his, the condition of his apartment. Um, but they didn't call it hoarding at the time. So my, my question, my, sort of like the scenario is, is we sort of kind of knew something, but we didn't know how bad it was. But he, before the stroke, lived in terribly filthy conditions. And mm-hmm. in terms of his medical management, he doesn't really remember a lot. But I've gone through his chart. I, I have that ability in my work to be able with him <laughs> next to me. Um, and we've looked sort of at his, at his, his pre-stroke history and, and the history all the way that led up to his discharge from the, from the hospital. And he's been non-compliant, super hypertensive. So I'm just thinking that he's going back to a very, very um, dangerous situation health-wise for himself. And, and he's starting within four months already to have these complaints of his own family member mm-hmm. who is pretty much telling him not very kind things, you know, saying that he stinks and he needs to take a shower. So he's telling me this stuff, and I'm that friend that he relied on. I've been with him, and I don't know how to. Uh, what I did was yeah. I said, well, did you shower this morning? No. I said, so is there a reason 
maybe why she said that to you today? Yes. Uh, is there a reason why she asked you to do your laundry? Have you done your laundry? But I, I think that that seems very critical or demeaning. I, I, I just don't want to be that. That's not who I am, mm-hmm. and that's not who I've been to him through his illness. So I thought I'd call and ask, what is the mm-hmm. origin of, of hoarding, or how do I get to that level with yeah. him so that I don't feel repelled or, or pushed away because it bothers me? Well, the general category that hoarding uh, is under is called OCD, which is Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. Mm -hmm. And there are many expressions of those who uh, struggle with Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. Um, And uh, so interesting that you mentioned this today. I was in a large meeting where we were going to determine, they were asking me what, we call them, we, we have something we call keys. Now, oh, they're not physical. I've, I've read a lot of them. Oh, okay, okay. Then, yeah. you, you know, keys unlock doors. And that's the concept of why I call them keys in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, the, the point is that we have definitions, characteristics, causes, and solutions right. on approximately, uh, you know, like, like 100 keys. And there, many of them are, are robust in terms of the information that's helpful because many people want, that they themselves need it or they uh, want to help someone else. So I'm very impressed with your heart. I really get what, I mean, truly, what a friend you are seeking to be. No, no, what a friend you are. <laughs> and whether he at some point fails to recognize it or not. Uh, let me just share some about hoarding. Um, and these are just classic symptoms. It's this persistent difficulty uh, discarding, meaning parting with possessions, certain possessions, uh, regardless of their value. Um, The difficulty is due to a perceived need to save them. I have to have them. What if I need it later on, even though you'd look at it and you think, this is so, if it were newspapers, it could be, you know, old, old. It, but but a lot of people like newspapers. I shouldn't pick on newspapers. Um, but, I mean, it can be uh, what we would call trash. In Correct. other words, uh, mm-hmm. something, if, if he had gotten a, 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 a hamburger, and then, he, he, well, he might need that paper that it was wrapped in, even though it could be, quite soiled, if you will, or quite uh, not not clean, not, not a clean piece of paper, but it's like saving all these things, uh, and he would mentally be telling himself, but I might need it for something. Um, and so this clutter um, is not removed, uh, and the clutter is in living areas, uh, the bed, and I'll tell you what it what is classic, so if you 
know about this. Typically, there are bags and boxes of things, of of um, all kinds of items, mm-hmm. and then and and and, and, and there's a path. It's typically like from the front door. Um, there'll be bags and or boxes and bags, sometimes to the ceiling. Um, I'm telling you what is many, many times the case. Well, in fact, let me do it this way. I had a, I have a friend who was told me she was really excited about helping another friend, and this friend had gotten Teacher of the Year award, and um, her, um, uh, I think her mother had died, and she said. There are several of us. The, the husband calls us angels because we're going to come in and fix up the place. We're going to remove all these things that are just... Because he, he said the children, two children that were in college, they refused to come home. They said they can't bring a friend because there's no place. Everything is you know, uh, stacked everywhere. And... He even said, if she won't change, I think we're going to have to divorce. And so that's why the friends, her friends, uh, were gathered, and she didn't know about this. So she goes off to uh, be with family, and two weeks later, now they, I knew that what they were doing, I didn't know any of the people except uh, the person who would, who used to come and just sit in on Hope in the Night every night, and, um, so, it, when when she returned, she was shocked, but she was horrified. She, she felt betrayed, and she literally uh, said, "I will, I'll never see you again. I never don't want to be around." It was just, and it, it crushed the friends who were trying to do something good. She felt that these were all important things, uh, and uh, it was that they were it, all this hoarding had was threatening their marriage because he said he was going to leave if she would do nothing. I'll continue on with the story. I'm, the reason I'm telling you this is uh, so many people don't understand hoarding, and yet um, what their efforts were were commendable. In fact, they ended up giving, I mean, there, there were so many things that had not even been opened, uh, and I'll, I'll explain it when we come back. We have an exciting opportunity to share with you to help bring light into one of the darkest areas of the country, into the lives of those in prison. Thanks to our generous supporters, we were recently able to send 6,000 of June Hunt's books and biblical resources to Rikers Island Prison in New York City. Rikers Island is home to 10,000 inmates and is known as one of the harshest prisons in the country. The prison chaplain told us that he was holding back tears because the inmates were so hungry and grateful to receive books filled with hope and truth. It was a direct answer to years of prayer, and the transformation was so great that they got a baptistry so that the inmates could be baptized. It's a truly remarkable story of hope, and it's all possible because of generous friends like you. 
If you would like to help send more life-changing biblical resources to prisons around the country, you can give online at hopefortheheart.org forward slash give hope. June Hunt and the Ministry of Hope for the Heart have an exciting new resource to encourage you and equip you to help others. It's called the Care and Counsel Library, and it's available at hopefortheheart.org ccl. The Care and Counsel Library has 50 topics in 10 volumes with clear answers from God's Word and practical solutions to real-life issues. It is the culmination of decades of ministry from the compassionate, relevant guidance of June Hunt. This library includes volumes such as Grief and Loss, Abuse and Trauma, Depression and Suicide, and more. These are excellent training tools for counselors, life coaches, or anyone who wants to grow in biblical wisdom to address the real issues of life. Learn more and get the Care and Counsel Library at hopefortheheart.org slash ccl. That's hopefortheheart.org slash ccl. Welcome back. I'm Jeff Oliver. You are listening to Hope in the Night with June Hunt. We're a ministry of hope for the heart. We'd like to thank you for your prayers and support of this ministry. Our customer support team can be reached at 800-488-HOPE, Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 Central Time. They'd be happy to um, help you and uh, recommend resources for you that will help you in a situation you're in in your life. If you'd like to take a look at uh, what resources might help you or you'd like to talk to customer support, you can call them and let them know what's uh, what will be helpful to you. We have keys for living on the, on the uh, topic of habits and addictions called success in self-control. And uh, that's available as well by calling customer support at 800-488-HOPE. That's 800-488-4673. If you would like to speak with June about a situation that's going on in your life on a future broadcast of Hope in the Night, just give us a call at 800-917. That's 800-NIGHT-17. And when you call, leave a detailed message for us. We'll get back to you and talk to you about uh, what questions you have, what uh, help you'd like to to uh, ask June about, and what, what really what God's heart is on, what what Scripture says about what you're dealing with. So give us a call. We'll talk to you about that and hopefully uh, have you on an upcoming Hope in the Night. That's 800-917-800-644-4817. Now back to our conversation tonight with Reagan. Reagan, I want to address one thing you mentioned toward the beginning, and that is the stroke. Um, According to what is considered authoritative, it's called DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, um, five, number five. Um, It is clearly stated this is not related to um, a another mental disorder, and it it's called what you're describing is is called a hoarding disorder. Um, when you hear the word disorder, it means it's it's not like something that's just difficult or a bit of a challenge. It 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 uh, impairs normal functioning. In other words, it does cause 
distress uh, in social relationships, mm-hmm. um, which you, I think, are, are certainly implying here. It could be a person's occupation, depending on what, uh, how much uh, clutter, because people think of clutter and hoarding, but it, it, you can have, you can still have clutter, but hoarding is is excessive acquiring, excessive. It is difficult. Uh, it's difficult for the one who struggles with this to discard possessions of any kind. It's accompanied by excessive acquisition. I'm talking about, for example, this woman that I mentioned, uh, again, she could perform at school, apparently, uh, to get a teacher of the year. Yet, at home, the garage was totally stacked to the to its height, uh, and they he the the husband got a shed, and it got packed. And what she would do, she would go to like Salvation Army or Goodwill and purchase a, you know whatever it was. That um, and and it it's out of control, out of control in terms of for for a family. Um, it's not unusual. I've heard many describe the difficulty of being able to walk from the front to the bedroom. They keep a path <laughs> because well, he, he you, mentioned that he he talked to me, but it's very natural. You know, that, that he knows how to get to things. He's not there yet because he's still living with a family member. But mm-hmm. she's starting to get um, annoyed at these kinds of characteristics that mm-hmm. are coming into her home. And I, I, don't, I, just, I don't know how to speak to that with him. I used to spend a lot of time with him and... and you know, um, helping him sort of through his recovery, helping him make new memories, and because he lost seven months' worth of, of anything to talk about. Wow. So we spent a lot of time together, but it's it's not there yet. I mean, he has uh, he has no apartment. He's, they had to give it up when he had a stroke. But he did he did mention he's got storage. He was cleaning up, but he has stuff in a storage unit. Um, but I'm sort of concerned with. Addressing sort of the things that I I see, which are sort of like the uncleanliness part of, of mm-hmm, him, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I don't know where that relates to hoarding because he he has messy tendencies, and that's fine. He's a single man; he can live the way that he wants. But he's starting to sort of encroach with his uncleanliness, leaving things around, not doing dishes, not. Um, Picking up after himself, not bathing, so it's that's starting to sort of encroach upon the situation that he's in, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to be compassionate. I, I am sort of, I guess, but I just I, I don't know. I'm, I'm finding that my only response, intuitively, I know that this is something. There's something wrong. Something, like you said, a disorder, and I really want to get to that so I can help him get to that place where he can 
sort of resolve whatever the underlying cause is. But in the mm-hmm. meantime, I'm being pushed away just because I don't like the the uncleanliness part of, of him, the, the long nails, the dirty nails, um, you know, just the same clothing, the clothing does smell. Um, mm-hmm. He comes with me to church on Sunday and um, gave his life to Christ after after coming to church. So oh, that was wow. a good thing. I think the Lord the Lord woke him up and, and kept him alive for that purpose because he wasn't saved yes. uh, during you know before the stroke. But you know, so I'll sit next to him during during church. But I spend less and less time um, sort of fellowshipping with him because I I'm seeing too much. And I feel mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm going to say it for the hundredth time, I feel like anything that I do say is coming across critical or, or like I'm trying to be a, a, a nag or a mother to him, and I'm not, I'm a friend. And I want to be able to, I don't know, you know be yeah. with him during this next stage of his life and hopefully help him uncover mm-hmm. what it is that is really that, that pain point. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's too much of you know for me to be able to do, but I certainly spend a lot of time with him to to want to get to that place with him. Well, first of all, you are compassionate. Uh, it wouldn't matter if he were to say you're not, but but it I hear it, and I and your actions have proven it. Now consider what a friend is. A friend is a person that. You're with by choice. It's it is. Um, I sometimes think of it as the love of liking. You somebody you like and you you choose to be with that person, and you are bettered because that person is in your life. I agree. You, you are. Be- he is better by having you in his life. Now you're seeing a challenge here. Um, there are certain do's that I could say, like for and uh, even this call, just call to me in, in case I happen to know anything. Okay, mm-hmm. this you're you're seeking to educate yourself, mm-hmm. to learn about it, whatever it is, and that's that is something that will be helpful to you uh, to to uh, learn. Some of the uh, things that to do and not to do, but we're going to talk about that. Listen to what he says in terms of try to use the same language when talking about those things that he possessed. Um, In other words, uh, where it would be um, not wise. Don't refer to it as junk or garbage. Um, but see, people who hoard, uh, they are more than likely to refer to the items as collections or their things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, so you could talk to him uh, and you could talk about you know, your things. Um, obviously junk and garbage would be pejorative, um, and therefore, but just listen to what he calls, and we know it's excessive, but 
don't forget, that's not how he's seeing this. And this has been going on, as you said correctly, before the stroke. Mm -hmm. Now, you can legitimately talk about the safety aspects of why you are even addressing anything at all. Uh, instead of of telling him that hoarding is wrong, uh, no one should live this way, you focus on, you know, I, I want us to come up with a, a plan or with thoughts uh, that are safe. Um, and emphasizing uh, the, it's, it's like, how can you work together to reduce the risk of accident or the, um, the potential of eliminating fire, fire hazards? Um, and, and so it's, it's a plan. And just say everyone has to think about risks in their lives when they drive a car. There are risks. And you have to figure out what do we do to uh, avoid the risks. Right, but Jen, he listens. He's a really good listener. Um, right. And he will acknowledge and he'll say, okay. And again, I don't know whether or not it's his stroke that's limiting him from changing or he just doesn't want to. This is who he is. And so he's very good at, at hearing whatever, if, you, if I were to use this approach, for example. And he'd say, yes, I understand, you know, I'm totally get it about safety or health or whatever, mm-hmm. and there will be no change. He has not picked up one one change to his benefit since he's been um, back on his own. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether it's his taking his medications the way that he should or eating uh, healthy foods, he's, he still has the same patterns from before his, rest, his stroke. And mm-hmm. I'm just concerned that my approach isn't getting to an underlying, something that just has to shock him, like a revelation that he can come up with because I've sort of nagged him through it and then maybe have a breakthrough. Because Mm -hmm. he'll listen, but he just, he doesn't care to change. Well, there is, um, usually there is help that's needed. Help, uh, and I'm I'm talking about um, many times outside help with those who have are experienced in knowing how to handle, knowing how to be with those who struggle with hoarding. Um, And um, I'll explain a little bit about that. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me to proclaim good news to the poor and to proclaim freedom for prisoners. The Lord came to set captives free, and He calls us to do the same. Hope for the Heart has an exciting opportunity to help bring the light of God's Word into the lives of those in prison. Thanks to our generous supporters, we were recently able to send 6,000 of June Hunt's books and biblical resources to Rikers Island Prison in New York City. The prison chaplain told us the whole atmosphere changed with the inmates because light was finally coming into the darkness. The supply of resources was a direct answer to years of prayer, and many inmates have given their lives to the Lord. 
It's a truly remarkable story of hope, and it's all possible because of generous friends like you. If you would like to help send more biblical resources to prisons around the country, you can give online today at hopefortheheart.org forward slash give hope. That's hopefortheheart.org forward slash give hope. As we each solve the puzzle that is our life, we often have questions we can't answer. Usually they're little nagging questions, but sometimes they're larger. So large, in fact, the answer or even the question itself can have life-changing consequences. June Hunt believes the best answers to these tough questions come from God himself, and he's given us those answers in the Bible. For more than 20 years now, June has helped callers find these biblical answers and apply them to their lives. You can talk with June on her radio program, Hope in the Night, about an issue, a hurt, a relationship, or another concern in your life. Call 800-NIGHT-17. And remember, there are no hopeless situations, only people who have grown hopeless. There really are biblical solutions for all of life's struggles. Don't wait. Call now, 800-644-4817. Welcome back. I'm Jeff Oliver, and you're listening to Hope in the Night with June Hunt. This is a ministry of Hope for the Heart, and we'd like to thank you for your prayers and support of this ministry. If you have any questions or concerns about uh, our topics on the program tonight, just call customer support. They're at 800-488-HOPE, Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 Central. They'll help you access the appropriate resources. Maybe they can give you a uh, link or just uh, have you go to our website where there are free resources there. Or if you'd like uh, more to read, uh, something to hold in your hands there, they can order a a resource for you and get that set out pretty quickly. But if you would uh, like to talk to them about that, the number is 800-488-HOPE. And uh, we have Keys for Living that we recommend tonight called Habits and Addictions, Success in Self-Control. Also, the book is available. The book is called How to Defeat Harmful Habits. Those and other titles are available at customer support at 800-488-HOPE, 800-488-4673. You can also email them if you have questions you'd like to uh, get answered that way, of course, any time of the day. That's customer support at hopefortheheart.org, and uh, they'll be happy to help you that way as well. Now back to our conversation with Reagan. Well, I want you to know, my friend, I am very impressed with you. Um, it's easy to just walk away. And I, the, the difficulty is this. People who hoard often struggle with decision-making and finding motivation to change. Okay. And you've, you've experienced this right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, it sounds as though that this has been brought up by this family member, but it about uh, bathing. Um, it is, uh, you know, therefore, let me mention what typically has to happen since that they they're not motivated to do this type of change by themselves. And I'm talking about now all the the items, his possessions, his things. Um, it, it is initially um, 
to 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 try to do something with someone else it's almost like there's got to be someone else who is um it, to, and the, the concept is reducing. It's not getting rid of it, but reducing um, risks, reducing hazards, or just, it, but the, the focus is what can we do to help the situation, especially, you know, like if he is living with a relative, uh, that's very um, sacrificial for that relative given the circumstances. Now, the optimal would be to encourage uh, him to seek professional help. Uh, even when a hoarder, uh, one who struggles with hoarding, recognizes they have a problem, uh, they can struggle to take the appropriate steps. That's why there are those who are are specialists in this, um, and I'm, I'm, while there are doctors who understand it, but there are also people who, literally, that is what they do. They, they, and they are so patient, and they'll show an item. It, what doesn't work is to clean it out for them. That will not work. They yeah. will be angry. They will be. Uh, they'll feel invaded. Yeah, um, it happened. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. Is that when they cleaned up his uh, where he was living, and then no, no, he came he, back? No, he already had the stroke, and they knew that he was not going to be able to um, return to the apartment. We didn't think that he was going to survive, so they just mm -hmm. gave his apartment up. But when I come to visit him, and he he uh, go into his car, you know, and I start throwing things out in the car, and, and he takes he puts it in the back seat, and it, it just. Yeah. Me trying to do that because I just want to clear space or kind of point him to where it belongs, it doesn't work. It actually shortens our time together. So you're right in terms of his reaction. So mm -hmm. I stopped spending a lot of time with him. And he's just a really, really, he's, he's just got one of the best characters that I've ever met, especially at mm. this stage of life. Mm -hmm. and, and his work ethic is unbelievable. So when I found out that he had gotten this sick, he was actually on a, on a mechanical vet for a month. I really, you know, I, I prayed about it, and the Lord opened up the opportunity and the strength to be able to um, walk him through his recovery. But now I'm seeing a different side, and... Um, it's not. It's not that easy. I just. I'm not equipped to really handle spending yeah. a lot of time with him anymore because I don't have a critical nature, and it's just in me. I, I'm a minimalist. I. I. I, I probably. Oh well. Thing, but yeah. you can take everything that I own and put it in the back of my car. I just. I don't wow. like stuff. Yeah. So we're mm -hmm. completely opposite, and so I don't mm -hmm. have the capacity for trash or mm -hmm. laundry on the floor or or disorganized. Um, yeah, but you know, but to him, it's 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 just growing, and it, I, I hear what you're saying about um, the. I'll I'll help look for somebody that specializes in this kind of a disorder, you know, within our area. I don't want it to be secular, and that is where his family is trying to head. Yeah, mm. he comes from a really strong Christian family, um, but I, I don't know how I can find somebody who can at least, you know, 
if, if they're going to hit upon that, that thing, mm-hmm. that, that trauma, whatever it was, I don't want him getting, doesn't matter what I want, but I don't, that's not where I want to point him in the direction where it's secular. Um, right. And that's well, one thing you could do, mind. yep, you could find if people, it's like if there are um, people who are, uh, that are advertised that are like a Christian, da da da, where then then ask them, you want to you want to find, is is there someone who is a Christian um, psychologist who who specializes in this? Uh, yeah, because um, just getting rid of one or two items can emotionally exhaust someone who has a hoarding disorder. And he's recovering from a stroke. I just, I don't know what he's mm -hmm. capable of handling, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And it may be that they would have a a better handle on that if if they have an expertise, then they'll know. uh, By the way, this is a worldwide it, this is not regional as in the United States or the Western world. Um, and so it's it's not like it's just limited to a region of the world. But um, it it is imperative whoever is would come alongside. You don't make decisions for them, which you've already understood that. Um and so when helping a loved one, you know, organize their things, it's encouraging them to assign their possessions. They will be, in fact, I've done it this way. You have three, um, and this is when people have called, and, and I, I make this suggestion, uh, and, and I'm going to, put it in what is the typical, what you've described him being with a relative is different. But I, I would say, well, what is it like when you walk just in your front door? And um, they'll typically say they just have a path. And I'll say, well, what, you, what we could do is consider this. And see, th- th- what they're getting is backlash, huge backlash. And that's why they're calling me. And so I said, let's see if we could just do this one thing. Is there a piece of furniture to the right? And they'll say, yes. And they'll say, whatever it is. Let's talk about, no, no, no. Actually, I do the floor first. I usually do the floor. Are there a lot of things on the floor? Yes. I said, what we're going to do is look at, Gathering the things that are on the floor together, but we're going to have three bags to start with. It's um, it's uh, keep. It's um, give away. Give as in people need help, and a lot of people will respond to this. That like, what if God wants to use you? To share what you have. And there are things that you may not have even done anything with certain items. And if whether it's clothing or shoes or, you know. And, and so these these things you can give away. Give to a, a cause. Uh, there are Christian... Um, 
there are organiza- organizations, churches, that have a clothes closet, and they need items to be able to give to others. And, and they'll many times respond very positively to that, but they typically, uh, and so it's give away, or it's keep, um, give, give away, or throw away if it's, and, and but it typically has to be someone with them to help them, and you hold these things up, and they uh, can literally, um, you know what needs to go, but they need to be a part of choosing. Now, that takes time. That's a lot of time. And I'm talking about, the, it's not that a psychologist does that part with the person, but there are people who do that. Uh, I know that there, I, although I only saw maybe two episodes, did you ever see on television, and I think it was called The Hoarders or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I've i seen it on TV. I've never experienced it Right. somebody so close. And like yes. you said, he's not a relative. He's just a friend that I've walked alongside with and gotten to know pretty well because well, of his, his whole yeah. path to recovery. But, I know I, I get it. And I didn't know the way that he lived when they cleaned out his apartment, his family cleaned out his apartment. I just see where he's heading now. Yeah, and... Uh, and- Yeah, and by the way, you know, you see the good side in him. You have you've talked about. uh, uh, Apparently, he has good character that you respect, and uh, and you've been friends. I mean, that's what you know. So, I think um, getting some material on this, which is even going to the internet, you will find all kinds of helpful information there um, or just uh, yeah, to, to to access uh, or um, articles and a bit it's like uh, you, it, there's not and if you're called to do this over a period of time wonderful if you're not called to do this if at least you could do the attempt of trying to find somebody who could help him, and it may not be the time when he can accept help, but th- there's an issue of you being led by the Lord in this way. If you have an uneasiness, somebody just today asked me, somebody was, I was interviewing someone, and, and I said, do you have any questions for me? And she wanted to know, how do you make decisions that had to do with not not knowing um, I said if you have peace you have, you are an authentic Christian if you have peace about doing it then that gives that the spirit of God that's his responsibility to communicate to you he's he gives you love joy peace if you We will send our keys for living on habits and addictions called success in self-control. Send that out to tonight's caller. We do that free of charge because of your generous support of this ministry. And if you'd like to give to keep those resources going out and to keep this program on the air, you may do so at hopefortheheart.org slash donate. And we thank you. You may order resources for yourself at 800-488-HOPE anytime Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 Central Time. And our materials and recent programs are available at hopefortheheart.org. Also find our programs wherever you get your favorite podcasts. 
Until next time, for June Hunt, I'm Jeff Oliver saying you hang on to hope.